0: Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. I uh, thank you that you are the Waymaker, maker. Lord, that you still do work in miracles, that you're the King of kings and Lord of lords, you're our Redeemer and our Savior, the only one who is worthy of all our praise, all honor, all glory. Father, I just ask for encouragement this morning. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just encourage our hearts, encourage our minds in the name of Jesus. Lord, it's easy to look around and feel like... We're just surrounded by defeat, but you are still seated on your throne. You are still the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are still victorious, Lord. And even though it may not look like it, you are working. Or we believe that by faith. And Lord, we pray that you would encourage our hearts, Lord. Or that we would go out from this place encouraging those around us. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It is so good to be with you this morning. We're so glad that you joined us for worship this morning. Well, three weeks ago, we started this series on our core, who we are here at NCC. And we're looking at the five foundational principles or core values that we consider key to who we are at NCC. In the first two messages, we looked at the Word of God and discipleship, and this morning we're going to look at worship. When we come together next week, we'll finish the series and look at unity and integrity. Webster's Dictionary defines worship um, in its noun form. It's reverence offered a divine being an act of expressing such reverence, extravagant respect or admiration for or devotion to. And the verb form is to honor or show reverence for a divine being to regard with great or extravagant respect, honor or devotion. Now we're going to take a look at the definition of of the two root words for worship in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and see how uh, where this word worship comes from in the Bible. In the Old Testament, the, the root word in Hebrew is the word shachah, which means to bow down or prostrate oneself. Shachah is translated as worship the vast majority of its use in the Old Testament, 99 times to be exact. The next most frequent translation of that word is to bow, and that's used 31 times in the Old Testament. Same root word, just translated as worship and then bow. In the New Testament, the Greek word for worship is proskuneo, and it means to fall upon the knees and touch your forehead to the ground an expression of profound reverence, kneeling or laying down, prostrate in homage or to make supplication, showing reverence to in order to show respect or to make supplication. This word proskuneo is translated 100% of the time in the New Testament as worship or worshiped. And that's a total of 60 times. Uh, You'll find worship or worshiped 73 times in the New Testament, but those other 13 times, there's other root words that are below it. But proskuneo is by far the the most used to describe worship in the New Testament. So the original Hebrew and Greek words do have some in common with the English definition for worship, like reverence and respect, but with the added response of bowing down and laying prostrate in profound reverence in order to show honor, respect, or to make supplication. Today, we use the word worship in a broader sense. We often describe the total of what we participate in together during congregational gatherings as a worship service. And it's not necessarily wrong. That usage is rooted in the understanding that everything that we participate during our service, is meant to show God reverence, respect, honor, and devotion. Before we go on, I just want to make it clear that worship, true worship in all of its forms, is a response. A response to what, you might ask? Well, the main thing is the presence of God. When we find ourselves in the revealed presence of God, The response of worship that lines up with the definition that we just read of falling down, bowing down in worship is our only response. The definition of this word worship is different than the definitions for praise and singing and thanksgiving and prayer and giving. And we could go on and on with all of these responses to God that we might group together under the heading of worship. And we will see that all of these responses can be worship, but it depends on the condition of our heart. Because true worship involves a humbling, a bowing down, a submission of our will, our preferences, our desires before God in worship. When done in humbleness and with a right heart, all of our responses to God and what He has accomplished can be an act of of worship. Something has to happen or occur for us to respond to it. That's literally the definition of the word uh, respond. And as I mentioned before, one of the things that causes this response is being in God's presence. But something had to happen before we could come into God's presence. And I hope you all know that that was Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection. Jesus didn't just make a way for us into God's presence. He proclaimed that He is the way. He is the truth. And He is the life. And no one comes into the presence of the Father except through Him. Matthew 27, verse 50 through 51 tells us that Jesus, this is Jesus Christ on the cross, He cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up His spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. Prior to Jesus' death on the cross, there was a curtain in the temple that separated everyone from the Holy of Holies, from the literal presence of God. And only the high priest could go beyond that curtain, and even he could only go in there once a year. When he was offering a sacrifice, an unblemished lamb, a blood sacrifice in atonement for the sins of the people. And they had to do that every year, over and over and over. But Jesus Christ was the once for all final sacrifice. And when he cried out and gave up his spirit, the veil was torn. And it says we are able to enter in now through Jesus Christ. And when we enter his presence, we find that that is a reason for us to respond to God in worship. In bowing down. In prostrating ourselves before him in his presence. Because that's the only response that we can have. Hebrews 10, 19-22 expounds on this and he says, Therefore, brothers... Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened us through the curtain. He's talking about that same curtain, that same veil that has been torn. That is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We can enter the Holy of Holies. That was the place behind the curtain, behind the veil, where the presence of God dwelt. And now we can enter with confidence and boldness because in Jesus Christ we are clean. How can we not respond in worship? And 2 Corinthians three, sixteen through eighteen refers to the veil that Moses would wear after he had been in the presence of God and he had come down from the mountain and his face was glowing. In verse sixteen it says, But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. In this case it's talking about the veil that Moses had worn. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We are no longer separated from God by the veil in the temple or like Moses with the veil over his head. Nothing separates us from the glory of God. If we are in Christ Jesus, we are free and we are clean. We are free to be in His presence. And when we are in His presence and behold His glory, we are continually transformed from one degree of glory to another, becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. And when we find ourselves in His presence, we can't do anything but worship Him. It's our natural response. Remember, it's what Jesus accomplished that allows us to be in God's presence that we might be able to worship him. With that in mind, we're going to look at three areas of worship that we focus on as they relate to our core value of worship. All three relate to biblical principles. The first directly lines up with the definition of being totally laid out or prostrate before God in his presence. And the other two are applicable in that broader sense, understanding that true worship is a condition of our heart, a heart that is humbled and submitted before God. So these three areas are being present, centered, or God-focused, volunteering and serving with excellence, And generosity. And we bring these three aspects together in this statement. We value worship as our response to God's presence. We give God all glory, honor, and praise by offering Him our best through praise and worship, in service to Him and one another, and by joyfully giving our tithes and offerings. We're going to take a closer look at each of these three areas, starting with Presence centered or God focused. The focus of our worship should always be God. He is the only one worthy of all of our praise, all of our honor. He is the only one worthy of glory. That doesn't mean that we are not also blessed in the process, but we don't worship to be blessed. We worship because He is worthy. Revelation 7 tells us that the angels, the four living creatures, and the elders are forever worshiping God. Verse 12 says this is what they're saying. Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And they just repeat that over and over and over. Our worship Pastor Brandon's heart is that worship doesn't begin when we or parts of the body of Christ gather together for the purpose of worship, because the truth is there is a never ending worship procession in God's presence. So when we come for worship, we enter in with them. We join into that forever worship uh, session that's going on in heaven. And we can do that and enter the Father's presence boldly through Jesus Christ. Psalm 95 verses 1 through 7 is a declaration of worship. It says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. I want to point out verse 6 there actually came to that psalm or it came to my mind as I was uh, preparing for this message and studying worship because the more that I studied and just seeing everywhere it was used that it was saying to bow down or to prostrate oneself in the presence of God and so that scripture came to mind because it says let us worship and bow down let us kneel before the Lord our God our maker and so I thought if that Word worship is that same word for bow down, then that passage is saying, come, let us bow down so we can kneel and bow down so we can bow down three times. And that is the word. It's that same word, shah, to bow down, to prostrate oneself. And the underlying word for bow down is a word, uh, kata, and that means to bend or kneel down in reverence and the word for kneel is barak and it also means to bless or kneel and there's something very interesting about that word because it means to kneel but 302 times it's translated as bless and only two times as kneel but every but the underlying root of it is meant to kneel or bow down in reverence so what it's saying is when we ble- we bless God by bowing down or humbling ourself in His presence. So that whole mindset of blessing is a submitting of your heart and kneeling down and bowing down. The kneeling is an act of adoration. In the Old Testament, when you uh, read that word, like I said, the the underlying word... Um, is kneeling and humbling down, and our heart at NCC is to keep God at the very center of all of our worship and make sure that our heart is in a place of worshiping Him and Him alone. Now we're going to take a look at how we honor and worship God through serving. Galatians 5.13 says, For you are called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another. In Colossians 3:23 through 24 we're encouraged to uh, by these words it says whatever you do work heartily as for the Lord and not for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward you are serving the Lord Christ. And Romans twelve one is a well-known verse written by the Apostle Paul. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. This word worship is actually not... The, the word that means to bow down, um, depending on the translation of the Bible you're reading, it may actually say um, it is your reasonable act of service. And that's really the underlying word there is to serve. Again, it's about our heart. If we present our body as a living sacrifice to God, humbly and in reverence, It's a reasonable response for us because of who he is, because of his love for us and what he has done for us. Psalm 100 encourages us to worship and serve. So make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. We are to serve the Lord with gladness. And just a quick note, the word in that passage that says, Bless His name. That word for bless is again that word that says, Kneel down before Him in reverence. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind. That is with everything that we are. And that after that, we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. And one way we do that is serving God through everything we do with excellence. Knowing all that we do is to his glory and for his honor, not for anyone else. And with the freedom that we have in Christ, knowing our identity is in him, we can serve those around us in love with a humble heart. I was reminded again of Jesus uh, washing the disciples' feet. It says, knowing that he had come from heaven. Knowing He was the Son of God, He wrapped a towel around His waist and kneeled down before those who were supposed to serve Him and washed their feet. That's the example of service that Jesus Christ set for us. The last area is worshiping through giving generously. In 2 Corinthians 9-7, we read, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Again, the condition of our heart is key. It's not the action alone, it's the state of our heart accompanying our actions. Are we honoring and giving reverence to God in our heart, bowing down to him, prostrating ourselves before him in reverence as a response to him? In Matthew six nineteen through 21, Jesus said, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Notice Jesus didn't say where our heart is, our treasure will be. He said where our treasure is, our heart will be. We get our heart in the right place by putting our treasure there in advance. God makes it very clear through his word, the Bible, that everything belongs to him. We are blessed and honored that he gives us the opportunity to give our tithes and offerings to him in response to who he is and what he has done. And Jesus promised that as we follow God's commands in this area of giving and generosity, that He will do the miraculous work of getting our heart to the right place in Him. Psalm 96, 7-9 encourages us to worship and honor God and bring Him our offerings. It says, Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory. Do His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. To the giving of our tithes and offerings, we acknowledge the worthiness of what God is doing and we get to participate in it with Him. As I said earlier, all aspects of worship is related to the condition of our heart, our posture before God, humbling ourselves before him, both physically and spiritually with our heart always bowed in submission before God. We can worship him 24 seven, literally everywhere we go and in everything that we do. In Matthew 15, 8, Jesus said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Jesus made it clear that we can say things with our mouth, but our heart not be in it. We also know that even physical actions like bowing down or prostrating ourself can be done physically, but our heart not be in it. I was reminded of the the story of a little toddler who his mother uh, was making him sit down and he did not want to sit down. But he sat down and he said, I may be sitting on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. It's the heart that matters, our heart in worship. If we prostrate ourselves, I pray to God that we're prostrating ourselves on the inside too. That our heart is always humbly serving, always humbly bowing down, always humbly giving God glory and honor and the place of of honor in our life, in every area of our life. Because it's not the action that designates the worship, it's our heart. And when we seek Him, God promises to do His part to change our heart. Jeremiah 24, 7, God promised, I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord and they shall be my people and I will be their God. For they shall return to me with their whole heart. Praise him. Worship him. There are literally endless reasons for us to respond to him in true worship from a humbled heart. His perfect love. He cares for us. He's promised to never leave us nor forsake us. He's promised to never abandon us. We're going to close with Jesus's words on worship to the woman at the well found in John four twenty three through 24. Jesus said, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. This was when Jesus was speaking to the woman at the well. And in this passage, every word related to worship was referring to that bowing down, to humbling yourself, prostrating yourself before God. Worship is our need, not God's. Worship, true worship is putting our treasure where it belongs so our heart can follow. God knows that we, He created us to be in relationship with Him, to worship Him. And He knows that we're not at the right place. We're never going to be where we need to be unless our heart is in that place of worship to Him. We desperately need to direct our worship to where it belongs. To have the right person constantly before our mind. And all of our worship belongs at the feet of God. He is the only one to whom it belongs. And He is the only one worthy to receive it. Father God, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, that he came and lived as the perfect example. He died the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And he rose again and went back to heaven to be seated at your right hand to make a way for us to enter boldly with confidence into your presence and worship you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to our hearts that we might respond to you in whatever way that you're leading, Lord. Lord, we give you all glory and honor and praise, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. As you stand and as we close in worship, there's... uh, Prayer team members that would love to agree with you in prayer. Any way that you feel that the Lord is calling you to respond this morning in worship to Him, I pray that you'll respond. We'll continue in just a moment and just a few more minutes, but I wanted to share a word with you. Um, On Friday, I got really discouraged. I read it. Just it was just reading a news story, but just seeing what the enemy is doing to our children. And last night, and we had the throne room encounter, and Stacy shared a scripture, an encouragement, and she she shared part of it, not the not the whole verse, and I just felt. Fell over this morning when when I looked it, I, I pulled it up and just felt like God had this word to share. Because again, my heart was just so hurting for our children. It's First John four four and and yeah, you know, greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. But but and maybe she, she might have read it all. And I just missed it. But this is the first part of four. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. Talking about the enemy and the spiritual forces. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Amen. They're not going to be overcome. We're not going to be overcome. And no matter what it looks like, we sang it earlier that he is the way maker. No matter what it looks like, no matter How uh, dark and bleak it may look. The one who is in you, Jesus Christ, is greater than the one who's in the world. The one who is in those children is greater than he is in the world. And he cares. He absolutely cares. Our heart breaks as his heart is breaking. And he has a plan and he has a purpose. And that plan and purpose involves us. We have to go out. We have to take it out. And he says he will respond in power, in authority. And we can take that power and authority because he is in us through Jesus Christ. He is worthy. Can we pray or sing one more time?
1: At the feet of Jesus, the greatness of your mercy and love, at the feet of Jesus, we cry
0: we give you all glory all honor all praise Lord I pray that our heart would be in a place of worship before you every moment of every day Lord that we would know that it's you and you alone that we serve and as we love you first and with the love that we receive from you father we love our neighbor as ourself father God I just pray that you will show yourself mighty in this world Lord Lord, you promised every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess, Lord. And we come against the enemy, every spiritual force, every principality, Lord, that they must bow their knee to you, Lord. And we send them to the feet of Jesus Christ, Lord. They cannot stand in your presence, Lord. They must bow down and they must retreat, Lord. And I just pray that your army, the army of God, the body of Christ will go out, Lord, and know that we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against those principalities. Lord you love the people that they're trying to control and we proclaim freedom in their lives wholeness in their lives and in our lives God thank you father we give you glory in the name of Jesus Christ amen 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 you' good will y'all be blessed and have a good Thank you for listening to this week's message.